we spoke about Teva and Ma'alimina Teva. And we said that Teva is called Midasaden. Teva is called Midasaden. And the Ma'alimina Teva is called Midasarachim. Um, I want you, a while ago we learned this, this, altar, this altar of Kalm. And um, um, in the altar of Kalm, in the altar of Kalm, we we discovered a whole new Mahalach in Tefillah. And I want you to see if you can if you can somehow combine these two things. The altar of Kalm and this whole new Mahalach in Tefillah. The altar of Kalm said the following thing. Yasukasha. He said that. On the one hand, the, the Mishnah says that when a person when a person davens, when a person davens, says that he, his davening has to be rachmin, then he has to really feel like he needs what he wants. When he davens, he has to be like a passionate need. On the other hand, tefillah is called a vayyotu service. So that's a contradiction because it, it, there's an ambiguity as what is tefillah, what's the direction. Is Tefillah giving me what I want to, is Tefillah me getting what I want? Or is Tefillah me giving to the Baroda what he wants? Tefillah is called Avoida. Avoida means service. When you serve someone, it means that they're in a higher role and you're in a lower role. So if Tefillah is service, it means it's about what I can give. If Tefillah is um, getting what I want, so it's what I can get. Okay, I'm gonna, you guys got, you guys got masks, you can, they just, uh, where's that? might work. Rao, are you doing the Ramaposa? <laughs> it's amazing, Stop these masks. Ever since I started wearing this mask, I feel like I'm not seeing as clearly as I was before. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, um, okay. So he says, like, on the one hand, what is Twitter? I think I think our default thing of Twitter is we're using Twitter to solve a problem. I want to solve a problem. For example, why are people doubting now when you when people doubting about the sick people that are affected by coronavirus? The fact that people have lost their pronouns are based on, on, on the economic complications of lockdown. And let's say, imagine a businessman who's now, his business is really, really suffering. And he calls out to the boy Olam. He says, boy Olam, I want you to help me. If I would be in that position, what I'd be asking for is, there's a problem over here. I don't know what my long-term financial future is going to be like. I want you to help me out and get rid of the problem. What's the problem? The problem is that there's a lack of finances and I need finance in my life. And that means what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get something from Twitter. Twitter's meant to give it to me. And what is, when does my Twitter consider working? How does my Twitter be effective? Well, if the problem that was there disappears. So for example, we have the businessman, his business has suffered because of the, the lockdown, and he calls out Hashem, he says, Hashem, I really, really need your help. And then out of the blue, 
he discovers there's a side on his business that he never really paid attention to, which is um, a tax product that helps people to reclaim medical insurance in times of national tragedy. And it's, oh my gosh, this like, product's been lying dormant for so long, I'm going to market it, and it makes him absolutely fortunate. So he goes, whoa, my Twitter worked. So then the goal was like this. The Rabbanoshalom has everything that you need. So when you want something, go to him and ask him. Say, I need this. Please give it to me. And then the process is, when is my Twitter successful? What is the goal? In other words, I want you maybe just go on a little bit of a a little bit of a tangent to understand this. It's a really good model to have. The Malbim introduced us to this model in the beginning of Michelin. And he says, as Fulkin well knows, that in every situation, there is, when, you, when you're talking about manufacturing, just as an example, there's different stages of the manufacturing process. There's the material, there's the process, there's the person who's doing the process, and there's the desired outcome. So if I'm in the, if I'm in the line of furniture, the material is wood. The process involves um, a lot of machinery and a lot of designing and cutting. The person doing it, let's say, is the carpenter. And the goal is to produce a table for people to eat on or learn on. So this, it's called choymer, it's a material. Tsura is the form it takes. Hoyel is the one doing it. Pu'ula is what's being done. And the result is tachlis. What is the purpose? What am I going towards? So now you can have two people, and they're both carpenters. The one carpenter, the choymer, is the wood. The poil is the carpenter. The pu'ula is the way that he makes the table. The tachlis is in order that they sheet that a beautiful table comes into this world. You can have another carpenter where the tachlis is money. He wants to make money. And the choymer for making that money is carpentry. But the point isn't to produce a good table. The point the, the producing a good table is all part of the process. That the, the, the table at the end of it isn't the end product. The end product is money in hand. You follow me? In other words, one, the pu'ula, the, the action itself is directly related to the result. The other one, the action itself is incidental to the result. When a person is making tables to make money, he could make ships to make money. He could sell used cars to make money. He doesn't have to make tables to make money. But when the pu'ula and the tachlis are related, that means mm -hmm. that this action produces that result, and the action and the result are interrelated. That the act of crafting and carving makes the table. As opposed to when and it's fundamentally connected, intrinsically connected. As opposed to if I'm making tables to make money, there's no intrinsic connection between this action. I could do another action to get that same result. You follow me? So whenever we're speaking about a process, we have to figure out what is the relationship between the two of the parts. What kind of material are we using? 
what kind of process are we using, who is the process, who's doing it, and what's the result? What are we trying to do with the tachis? So when we think about prayer, let's use that prism to see it through. And we see a God's prayer. So one second. What's the material of prayer? Who is the pile of prayer? What's the pu'ula of prayer? And what's the tachis of prayer? So it becomes interesting to explore. Well, if my if the if the tachis, let's go backwards. If the tachis of prayer is to get what I want, I want to get that thing that I need that's lacking in my life. So that's the tachis. So what's the pu'ula? The pu'ula is me asking Hashem. Or I'm the pu'ula. It's me asking Hashem. What's the pu'ula? Hashem giving it to me. Yes? Now, that means that there's no intrinsic relationship between prayer and between the, the tachis of prayer. Because, for example, if there be some other source that could solve my problem, a new medical discovery comes around that solves a new financial um, dispensation that I don't need to come into God for, so then the problem is solved. In other words, there's nothing intrinsically God-like about prayer in that model. Because the problem is a practical problem, and the solution is use God because we happen to be believing Jews. But had there been another option, they would have, they would have done the job. Which means that in that mind's frame, there's no intrinsic connection between the tachlis of Tefillah and the pu'ul of Tefillah. You get that. So, so that's why it's confusing what prayer is. And there is a source which says that prayer is to be heartfelt, which means I have to feel the lacking, which sounds as if I want to get something out of it. Yet there's another source which says prayer is service. It's avoida. It's me being oivet. I'm an evet. So it sounds as if I'm giving something to Hashem. So what is it all about? So this is where we weave into this. This out of Kali to what we've been speaking to about until now. There's nature and there's about nature. Nature is the hiddenness of Hashem. It's a shaliach. So Midas Adin, you don't see the Bayerolam, there's no one to talk to in nature. That's what Midas Adin meant. Midas Adin means you can't come with these claims and say, Midas Adin, attribute of judgment, you can't come with these claims and say, but, but you understand, oh, I was having a bad day, I, I wasn't thinking straight. There's no one to talk to. Midas Adin means there's no one to talk to. It means these are the rules. The rules are the rules are the rules are the rules are the rules. That's the world of nature. So in the world of nature, it's the will of Hashem, but it's the will of Hashem which is camouflage because you don't get the relationship you just get the manifestation so how do you develop that relationship not only that the world of nature is not only a camouflage and evading of the world of the of Hashem because it's so categorical it just works it works and there's, there's no room for negotiation so you don't get to relate to Hashem there's no relationship in this it's about delivering it's not about you know if you, you have to ask a person they that you hire a painter and uh, he paints your apartment. He does a shiny job. So you say, well, you know, you can do your job. But he says, I'm such a nice guy. Like, I'm such a nice guy. Like, I spoke to you so nice. You say, you're 100% right. But I hired you to be a painter, not to talk to me. That's called Midas Adin. This thing is, I want the job done. And there's cause and there's effect and there's no negotiation. So there's, there's no direct relation to Barodam. It's a shaliach. It's a shaliach. It's like when you go to a... It's one of the most frustrating things when you're dealing with the word. Most frustrating thing is when you're not dealing with. We, yesterday we had an example of the the the, the language machine, but it can be like when when you phone up an office and they only have automated responses. 
just don't speak to human beings because then you can explain your problem. In other words, then it can be some kind of relationship. In the world of mechanism, which is nature, it's mechanized. Because of this, because of this, there's no room for negotiation. You know, imagine if like your, your car is running out of petrol and you say to the car, listen, um, your car is running out of gas. Tell the car, listen, you don't understand. It's really, really important that I get there. And uh, I, I can't have you like running out of gas in the middle of the highway. It's just not on. It's Arab Shabbos and I need you to get there. So the car is saying, listen, you know, there's a amount of gas in the petrol and in the, in the tank. When the gas is gone, the car stops. Yeah, but no, but you can't do that to me. Don't you understand where I am? <laughs> there's no one to talk to. There's no to. In nature, there's no one to talk to. There's no one to talk to. In the world of Midas Adin, there's no one to talk to. You can't negotiate. The world of Mitzrayim, there's someone to talk to. There's someone to talk to. Let's think about it. Because of the world of Midas Adin, almost by its very nature, camouflages Hashem. Because it's so ruthless. It's very hard to find Hashem in the world that we see. It's very hard to find Hashem in the world that we experience. Because that's the world of Midas Adin. That's the world of nature. So in the world of nature, you don't see Hashem staring at you. You see a different system completely. But you have the belief that that system is not fixed. That system just is patterned, but can be changed at any point in time. But it's so hard to relate to because it's so barren. And when nothing goes wrong, and when nothing goes wrong, so then, well, why should I relate to the design and the, the, the thing behind the thing? If everything's going hunky-dory, so why would I, why would I look for a Shem why would I look for him? Everything's perfectly okay. Then something goes wrong. Then something goes wrong, and here comes the filler. When something goes wrong, all of a sudden, says the altar of Kelm, you now have a compelling reason to say that nature is just an illusion, and that there's something bigger than nature that can control it. And there's someone to speak to that can intercede and say, do you know what? Normally cars run out of gas when the tank is empty. Do you know what? I understand that you need to be there for Shabbos. This three liters of gas is going to be the equivalent of 20 liters. Drive ahead. Drive ahead. What does that do for me? What that does for me is it shows me with such definition that the present state of events is Midas Adin, it's the way Hashem relates in his default setting. But there's room for overriding, which means it changes my perspective of what nature is all about. If Hashem can make the petrol last three liters or 20 liters, that means the petrol isn't really expiring three liters. It's just Hashem says, expire now. And sometimes you can say, no, don't expire now, if there's a pressing reason to do not so. So what prayer does is, is it completely refocuses my perspective of the norm, not of the, of the, not the rule, not the exception. When I dive in and I'm going to this place on Arab Shabbos, and I'm trying to get into, trying to get into, um, I've got petrol and I'm trying to make the, the journey. Um, and the three liters of petrol last, according the 20 liters, that doesn't tell me that Hashem can do miracles. It tells me that there is no such thing as nature. And that the only reason that the three weeks expires is because Hashem said, that's the way I want the world to work. 
But if you have a compelling reason that you can argue that you don't want the world to work that way, and there's a, there's a justification, so Hashem will say, okay, he may choose to, 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 to put it aside. He may not, but he may choose to. But it doesn't really make a difference, because when you ask him to, by asking to, by you asking to, you imply, I recognize that nature is just a default and that there's room for overriding. Because if there'd be no room for overriding, it would be insane for me to request it. So my request is in itself the goal. So now let's go back to what is tefillah? What is the tachlis of tefillah? What's the goal of tefillah? The goal of tefillah is not to solve the problem. The goal of tefillah is to re-comprehend the nature of nature. The goal of tefillah is for me to see that what appears to be imperative and natural is not that at all. The goal of Trinity is to say, there's God behind the scenes. So what's the goal of Trinity? The goal of Trinity is to train me in re-understanding the nature of cause of effect in the world that is not imperative. And that moves me from the place where nature controls me to the place where Hashem controls me. And that gives me the permission to pray. That gives me the permission to pray. Without that, I have no permission to pray. In a world of absolute nature, it's insane to pray. It would be like me going to my car and saying to my car, you can't run out of petrol. It would be me going to the luggage machine when my bag is overweight and saying, but I know it's 22 kilos, I know the allowance is 20 kilos, but these scales have some rachmonis on you. That's, that, that's useless. You'd never do that. You'd be insane if you do that. If you go to a luggage machine and your bag is overweight, don't start negotiating with the machine because you have a recognition that there's no one to talk to. So when something happens to you, and you say, I don't want this to happen to me. And that's breaking the rules of nature. You say, I realize there is no nature. So that's the point of transcendence. You with me? So Tefillah, in a way, is the point where we are empowered to transcend. Is the point that we're empowered to transcend Beyond um, beyond our limited perception, and that then ironically reinforces a healthy relationship towards nature, because Hashem doesn't want to react in the supernatural. He'd much rather that we work within the natural world. In other words, the natural world is the way Hashem wants us to be. It's a training that's going to make us healthy. That's going to make us functional. Whenever you appeal for Rachmin, because you're incapable, so it's a limitation of yourself. But when you recognize that nature is also a manifestation of Hashem, and something is relating to what you asked yesterday, Michi, is when you realize that the relationship to nature is also an intimate one. So then you start to respond to nature in the language of connection. And that's what the entire, most of the prayers are focused about. Most of the prayers are about nature, not supernature. You're finding Hashem in the sun and in the moon. You're finding Hashem in my ability to see and to move my limbs. You're finding Hashem in the bread I'm about to eat and the water that I just drank. You're finding Hashem in the nitty-gritty places of the fact that I went to the bathroom and I was capable of doing so. You find Hashem in nature. And when you find Hashem in nature, so even in the baying 
the laws of nature, there's an intimate connection between me and the Boyola. And I don't need to supersede nature and appeal to the supernatural in order to have that connection. What prayer allows me is an insight. But what would be more ideal? It would be more ideal to pray before the Torah comes. Because the Torah is already, it's almost as if you need an alarm bell to wake you up to the reality. Interesting. I'm just thinking, don't we like, uh, say like almost that we acknowledge that Hashem causes rain and that's why He's great, and then afterwards we ask for rain? Wouldn't it make more sense if we go away? Like, how do we appreciate that He causes who? Well, how do we appreciate that He causes rain at that point in Dublin? Um, at that point, it's just nature because you haven't asked for rain yet. Okay, so, so Aiden's got a great question about the Shemone Esrei, that the Shemone Esrei is designed according to this seemingly backwards. The first three brachas focus on telling us about Hashem. The middle 13 are then requests. Surely the request should come before the, before the declarations. Especially with the rain. It's a great question. Okay, gents, we've, we've overstayed our welcome. I want to thank you all for... <laughs> In. But I don't understand the question, Rob. If, it, if it's to get to acknowledge that it's all Hashem, then that's even better. Just the first two brochures should ideally be everything. We don't even have to request. Mech, mech, mech. I was a Can you guys hear him? No, he's gone now. Um, oh. Thank you all for, for joining. And um, the court is in the same, same time, same place tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you.